Hey, it's me, Annie, and this is yet another in a series of podcasts. This one is dedicated to my mom. It's her birthday today, and even though she is no longer here on this planet, she is still celebrated by everybody who knew her and loved her. I being a person who knew her and still loves her very much. She was born in 1913. Amazing, right? So she would be 99 years old if she were alive today. But we're going to celebrate her birthday the same as we would celebrate it if she were here. And if she were here, I would buy her a single red rose because I always bought her a single red rose. That was our signature gift. And I remember how her face would look as soon as I would hand it to her. It would always be the same. She would always be surprised and joyous and she would think it was magical, even though it was the same thing every year, it would still be a surprise, because that's how my mom was. And I'm going to make a cake for her, even though she's not here. I'm going to make a cake that I know she would like. She would like an apple crumb cake, and so I'm going to make an apple crumb cake. And I'm going to eat it with my family, and we're going to smile and celebrate her. I'm also going to make some lentil mushroom stew that we're going to have over broad noodles. I know she would love that. And some sweet potatoes, which she loved. And some dinosaur kale, which she loved. She loved her greens. And I'm going to make sure everything is very hot because she liked everything very hot. She liked her food steaming. It was her favorite thing to eat a really, really hot meal. And if she could see the steam coming up off the food, she knew it was perfect. So I'm going to make sure everything is like that. My mom was a real character. My mom worked for the Board of Education. She was a psychologist. And she was a child psychologist. And the children that were entrusted to her were children that had to be evaluated for placement in the system, quote-unquote. So they would be found placement in schools or special programs or whatever. But these were troubled kids or these were learning disabled kids or these were kids that had specific uh, difficulties, let's say. And what she found was the standardized tests that were normally given to these kids weren't really appropriate or adequate for evaluating them a lot of times. So she would make up her own tests. She would come up with ways to evaluate anyone, no matter what their disability was, no matter what their issues were, no matter what their IQ was, no matter what they had experienced prior to getting to her, she would find a way to get through to them and be able to figure out exactly where they would thrive the best. And so she made it her own. She made the job her own. And she worked there for 40 years, which was... I think that's an accomplishment. Um, I think anybody that's able to work for the Board of Ed for 40 years should get actually a trophy. But I think that she found a way through it. Now, this brings me to the next subject, which was she was working for the Board of Ed at a time when a lot of women weren't working. And she used to bring me to work to see her work because she wanted me to grow up knowing that women did work and that that was part of 
being a strong woman and being an independent woman, that you earned your own living and you did your own thing. And so she would bring me to the board of ed and I would sit there on a huge school chair in the offices and I would watch all the women work, which was quite interesting to me because everybody had their little cubby hole or the little nook that they had their paperwork in and their typewriter and everybody was quite busy with all of the papers that they had to mark or the papers that they had to file or the things that they had to type and everything was was very I don't know it was it was sort of like the army I think I mean it looked like that to me when I was a kid so I watched all the women at their tasks and I think I started going there, or she started taking me there, when I was about four or five. And I used to sit there with my little white socks and my shoes hanging over the side of the chair, and I used to pump my legs because I was a little bored of Ed. Ha ha ha. And I used to watch, and I used to take everything in. And one of the things that really got to me was that there was this huge chrome sculpture, this icon that was off in the corner and every few minutes one or another of the multitudes of women would come over and bow in front of this sculpture this gleaming silver icon and obtain something from it and spirit it back to their desks and I would watch this happen over and over again And my mom would come by and say, hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Do you want yet another set of Board of Education crayons with a Board of Education pad to draw on while you're waiting for me? And eventually I said, Mom, what's that? And I pointed over to this sculpture. And she said, oh, well, of course, that's the coffee urn. It was huge. Let me tell you, it was massive. It was many feet tall. And it sort of hissed. It was a little imposing, especially for a kid. And so I said, but what's it about? And she said, it's a coffee urn. It's how we get the coffee that we drink. It's it's just to get coffee from. And I would say, hmm, okay. And then I got a little older, and I saw it a little differently. And I said, okay. Everybody's drinking coffee, right? And I guess I must have been about six or seven or so by then. And she said, yeah, everybody's drinking coffee. And I said, well, do you mean to say that when I am a woman, I'm all grown up, and I am working, do I have to drink coffee? Is that part of working? And she laughed, and she said, no, of course not. And I said, but you drink coffee. And you work. So if you drink coffee and you work, I guess maybe I'll have to drink coffee when I work. And she said, no, 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 no. I drink coffee because I like it. And I said, well, what if I don't like it? Because truly, the smell that issued from that silver urn was diabolically bad, especially to a child. It smelled really rank, and I didn't like it one bit. And I said, if I don't like coffee, I don't have to drink it, right? She said, no, no, you don't have to drink it. You don't have to drink it. I drink it because I like it. We all drink it because we like it. And da, da, da. I said, okay, wait. 
if I don't like to drink coffee, and so I don't drink coffee, could I work for the Board of Education? She said, yeah, you do whatever you want to do. You know, it's, it's a free world. We just do it because we like it. Okay, jettison a couple of years forward. Here I am, maybe about nine years old. And I said, you know what, Ma? And and I pretty well spoke my mind. I mean, I pretty well always spoke my mind, but I pretty well spoke my mind, and I said, you know, Ma, guess what? I've got the feeling that if you didn't drink coffee, you wouldn't be able to work here. And she said, well, that's just preposterous. No, that's there's no chance. She said, I work here because I like to. I drink coffee because I like to. I said, you know what? Let's make a bet. She said, what? I said, let's make a bet. Let's say you stopped drinking coffee. Do you think you'd still be able to work here? And she said, but I like it. I said, no, it's just a bet. Let's just make a bet. Let's say you stopped drinking coffee. Would you still be able to work here? Yes or no? And she said, well, yeah, I can do whatever I want to do, but I wouldn't want to stop coffee. I said, well, I don't think... You want to stop coffee because I think you know that you couldn't work here if you stopped coffee. And she said, hmm, well, I don't think you're right, but, you know, you're free to your opinion. Now, my mother didn't only drink coffee in the office. She also drank coffee at home. The coffee that she drank at home was coffee from another planet. It was A&P coffee from this wonderful can that I actually have one of the remaining empty cans of just as an artifact, just because the graphics are so cool. And she used to make it in a Pyrex coffee pot that used to always be on the stove. And it had a kind of pipette with a basket in the top that was made out of aluminum and you used to put the coffee in the basket and the water in the pot and you used to bring the water to a boil and the water used to come up through the pipette into the basket at the top and filter down through the holes in the basket and make the coffee. Okay, it was quite iconic of that period of time in the 50s. And she used to make this coffee and she used to make it in the morning, and she basically used to leave it on the stove with the, not with the stove lit, but she used to leave it on the stove all day and then reheat it when she got home from work. By the time the day came to a close, that coffee was sort of the consistency of molasses, and it was blacker than black, and she only drank it black. But it was as black as her hair, and her hair was When I was young, her hair was really black. As she got older, it became more salty than peppery until it was pretty much all salty, but it was really black. And so she had this cup of black coffee and her black hair, and and she wore black a lot too, so black dress and black high heels. And there was a lot of black around my mom, except for red lipstick, which she always wore, which I actually always wear too. Anybody that knows me knows that I, I love red lipstick. So it was very graphic, her whole relationship with coffee. It was very black. And 
sophisticated, I guess, and um, dramatic. And so she used to drink all day, and then she used to drink all night. And she used to say that she could drink a cup of coffee before bed and still fall asleep. Well, the reason why she could do that was because she had been back and forth on the subway in high heels and working like a dog all day. (laughs) She was exhausted. Of course she could drink black coffee at night. Nothing could have kept her awake. So this relationship with coffee was pretty potent. As I got older and she got older, she finally said, okay, Let's do that bet. Let's see what happens. I'll stop drinking coffee, and I'll prove to you that I can still work for the Board of Ed. Well, guess what, dear listener? She stopped drinking coffee, and she retired because she couldn't work there anymore. What did I learn from this? I learned something really profound, but not until a little bit later. What happened with me was I was forced into going to college. I was forced into going to college because... My father's Social Security pension that he had was such that my college education would be paid for, and my mother was adamant that I do it because basically it would be something that would be free, and so I could have free college on his pension because he had worked for the Veterans Administration as part of that. And I went, but I went sort of grumbling out the door because I really didn't want to go. I had plans. I knew other things that I wanted to do. But here I was going to college, so what did I start to do? I started to drink coffee. Why? Because I had early classes, and I really wasn't awake for them, And I decided, okay, this is what people do. People have a cup of coffee and they go to class. So I would get a cup of coffee and I would go to class. And I would sort of gulp it down because I really didn't like the taste of it. In fact, I never liked the taste of it. But it would get me up for my morning class. Okay, one day I realized, you know, I'm going to class, but I really don't want to go to class. Okay, let's go a couple of years forwards. I actually stopped going to class. I had enough of college, so I stopped. And I became a coffee aficionado, where I would buy only the best beans and grind my own beans, and I had a Chemex coffee maker with a filter, and it was this whole, uh, I guess you could say it was a ritual every day that I would make my coffee in the Chemex and people would come over to my house because they knew that my coffee was excellent and it was a very sort of beatnik kind of thing and I used to do that and literally one day I realized, wait a second, all the pieces fell together. My mother was doing stuff she didn't want to do so she drank coffee. I was doing stuff by going to college that I didn't want to do, so I drank coffee. Now it got to the point where coffee was part of my lifestyle, and I took a look at my life, and I said, is this really my life, or is coffee enabling me to have this life? Is coffee an enabler? And then it was almost like I heard the hallelujah chorus, and the sky opened up and light shone on me, and I I thought, Oh my goodness, coffee is an enabler. 
Coffee enables you to do things you don't want to do. It enabled my mom to work for the Board of Ed for 40 years. It enabled me to get to an early class at college that I didn't want to go to. It enabled me to have a lifestyle that I thought I liked when I was in my early 20s. But by the time I got to my mid-20s, I was finished with it. That was the end of that. No more coffee for me. And now, even when I smell it, I smell the smell of enabling. I smell the smell of, okay, let me have my cup of coffee and then I'll do it. And I think the most important thing about life is to have your real life, not to have your enabled life. So anything that you consume or any behavior that you have that causes you to be able to do something that really isn't something that you want, need, or enjoy to do is something that should really be disposed of so that you no longer have it as a habit. So I don't have habits that enable me to do things. Now, I do lead a very idiosyncratic life, a very individualistic life, a very unusual life, but it's my real life. And I don't have substances or behaviors in it that enabled me to believe that it's my life when it's not. It's my real life. This is who I really am. My mom understood that when she stopped drinking the coffee. And she started becoming more idiosyncratic, even though she was an unusual person before that. She started becoming even more unusual. And she started embracing more mm, unique ways of living. So, this little coffee segment of the Annie Fox podcast is dedicated to my mom, who became more and more of a rebel and more and more of a renegade and more and more of an unusual person the older she got. And it's my hope and my wish that anybody out there listening uses this information in such a way as to regard their own life and see if there's coffee in it, that maybe coffee is something that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing to give up. It's also something that's a negative nutrient. In other words, it doesn't give you anything, but it takes things away. It changes the way you metabolize different substances that could be beneficial for you. It adds to stress levels because it pushes you so fast. It speeds up your system. And it has been linked to osteoporosis and some other illnesses that we do not want to have as we get older. So I think as a negative nutrient, I think it's sort of unnecessary to consume it. I care very much about all you guys out there. I want to make sure you have the best lives possible, and I want to make sure you have the healthiest lives possible, and I want, of course, for you all to be happy every day and loving your lives. And because of that, I tell the coffee story on behalf of my mama on her birthday. If she were here, she would say, Annie, tell the coffee story. And so I did. And I send you all my love, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye.